श्रीला गुरुदेव की जय श्रीमन महाप्रभु की जय श्री हरिनाम संकीर्तन की जय ग्रामतरा श्रीमद भागवतम की जय श्री ब्राह्मण गीत की जय घोर भक्त वृंद की जय घोर प्रेमानंद हरी वो सो गुड मॉर्निंग टू ऑल ऑफ यू pranam and welcome to our series of lectures about the sri brahmar git the song of the bumblebee today we are continuing with meeting number 10 and we will be studying the fifth fifth verse of sri brahmar gita brahmar gita are 10 verses so today we will be finishing let's say half half of the brahmar gita and half of the series as well since after the remaining five verses i think we will have some other five concluding lectures to close the whole series so we are almost in the mid in the middle of our study here so this fifth verse of brahmar gita appears in chapter 47 of 10th canto just in case and it corresponds with verse 16 in how it appears in the bhagavat but as usual before going there we will make some brief or let's say let's see how brief summary recap of our previous discussion last week where we studied the fourth verse of brahmar gita when sri radha is replying to the bumblebee suggesting hmm, that krishna when the bumblebee may share the suggestion according to sri radha's ear and eye and she she interprets that the bumblebee is speaking to her while generally to say that it's not fact the bumblebee is just a bumblebee over there flying but for sri radha the bumblebee is representing so much saying so much so in this case according to sri radha the bumblebee is suggesting that krishna sent him there to braj to console to support radha because of he being so much afflicted in viraha from her as well so in reply to that supposed idea from the bumblebee hmm, sri radha will say this verse which says in heaven on earth in heaven on earth or in the subterranean sphere what women are unavailable to him he simply he simply arches his eyebrows and smiles with deceptive charm and they all become his the supreme goddess herself worships uh, the dust of his feet so what is our position in comparison but at least those who are wretched can chant his name uttama shlok So this is the verse we were studying last week we are in the brief recap now for those who have joined now so many of the some of the implications of this verse when she said all oh, women are what which women are unavailable to him shirada is implying directly all women should be unavailable to him knowing his nature or he krishna is available to all of them that his nature and part of his cheating nature according to Shridhar's his eyebrows how he captures all this lady from all planetary systems well he has a deceptive smile deceptive eyebrows or she's or we could also say krishna's eyebrows smile and there is a smile in his eyebrows with certain intention full of deception full of cheating so shridhar implies to the bumblebee we are telling you all these out of compassion for the ladies of mathura so you go there and instruct them about the nature <clears throat> of hari because we have been 
affected by him already. We know the result of it. Like if you are pricked by a thorn, you will prevent others in that same connection. So that's, in, that's his nature, Srirad says in Divian Mat here. He uses ladies once only and leaves them. And of course, again, this is not applicable to us, ladies here, or to the mature ladies. This happens to everyone. The Devis in Swarga, the Nagapatnis in subterranean sphere, and so on. And maybe the bumblebee may present the argument, but Lakshmi herself, we are speaking now about this three planetary system, we are going to Vaikuntha, the topmost chaste lady in Vaikuntha, Lakshmi is worshipped the dust of Krishna's feet in such menial. She's, she's not attaining Krishna even, but she's serving his dust feet, his foot dust, engaged in menial seva. And Radha will say, yeah, because that's Krishna's intention. He's thinking, let's capture the main lady, Lakshmi, the, the topmost chaste lady, and the, all the other ladies will follow, basically. <laughs> Another of the implications in this verse, by Shirada explaining how all ladies in all planets, even reaching Vaikuntha, are affected and attracted to Krishna means, is that if all of they, them become affected, then our attraction as gopis is justified, because he's so charming that everyone is following him, so why sh we should be criticized in our parakya bhav, our attraction is justified. Hmm? If lady from even Lakshmi is attracted, what to speak of us, humans, who have other sensibilities? And what to speak of us, who are not only humans, but we are cowherder, cowherders, cowherd ladies. And not on top of that, we are cowherd ladies from Braj. Even more simple-minded, even more subtly, Shirada is insulting her partial expansion, Lakshmi, by saying we are higher than Lakshmi in all these elements, especially caste compatibility. Krishna is a cowherd, we are also from that same species. So ideally, she should be with us. <clears throat> and the last line of this verse, basically when she says, well, at least the wretched people can chant his name, Uttama Shlok, again, this name is invoked here. But sarcastically, Sirad is saying this idea. If you want Krishna to maintain your name as Uttama Shloka, then make proper honor to that, make justice to that. You are... You, you are praised with the topmost poetry. Someone who is praised like that is someone who is totally compassionate and kind to the wretched. So you are not acting on the basis of your name. So you have to come back to Braj if you want to retain that name, that fame. So all this, Shirat expresses it in the form of Ujjalpa, which is one of the ten mat talks or Chitrajalpa, expressing each one of the ten verses of Brahma Gita. Ujjalpa means abusing Krishna with indignation for his deception through jealousy and pride. All these unbecoming qualities for the sadhakas that in the case of the siddhas in Braj make full circle and appear all of them again perfectly expressed in the context of Lila. So again, we conclude our last lecture by saying on one side Krishna is known as Satya, Satya Bratan, Trisatya, Param Satya, all, of, all in him is true. But in Bracha we find another testimony. They call him liar, cheater, uh, womanizer, what not. <laughs> so Krishna, and he appreciates that especially. He wants to reciprocate in kind. We know that Krishna is trying to reciprocate in kind. And in Krishna Lila's, my Guru Maharaj will say, Krishna Lila is a failure for him. He doesn't, he's not able to fully does, do that. So he appears as Mahaprabhu and tries to empathize with Radha and the gopis. In his form as Mahaprabhu, we mentioned that, especially by accepting sannyas, 
and by relinquishing all those things that the gopis themselves have relinquished. They have abandoned family, town, reputation, everything. Mahaprabhu abandoned, left behind. Hmm? Mother Sachi, Vishnupriya, all of the Nadia, Basis, hmm? in trying to pay his debt of love. Hmm? Lord Chandastakur calls this sannyas of Mahaprabhu, Adbhut sannyas, astonishing renunciation, astonishing background. In the Gita, Krishna says, Sarvadhanman Paritya about leave everything behind. In theory, he says that. But as Mahaprabhu, in Puriya, as a sannyas, he showed this idea in practice. He left everything behind for the sake of trying to pay his love debt with the gopis. So, there is a very interesting connection in this way between the sannyas of Mahaprabhu, the Gaur Lila, and especially the Gambira Lila in Puri, and the Brahma Gita. And in this connection, sometimes some Acharyas have mentioned, this Brahma Gita is the most important chapter of the whole Srimad Bhagavatam, because it parallels exactly the experience of Mahaprabhu, the topmost aspect of the Absolute, the Supreme Personality of Krishna, <laughs> What Mahaprabhu is tasting in the Gambira, we shared some verses from Chaitanya Charitamrita where Krishna Das Kaviraj mentions this idea. Whatever Mahaprabhu was, whatever Shirada experienced in, in her conversation with the bumblebee, with Uddhav, if you will, in Vrindavan, though that same experience was what Mahaprabhu was going through in the Gambira. So there is a very interesting connection between these two. So Mahaprabhu in Gambira again is trying to enter into Radhava, trying to pay his debt. He opened there, as we mentioned, a new university of Prem. He's the first pupil there in Puri. Radha Baba is the whole director of the university. She herself sent two tutors for Mahaprabhu, Ramananda Roy, Sarup Damodar. The Srimad Bhagavatam is the main textbook, along with other books, of course. And in this way, Mahaprabhu enters into Radha Bhava. So, uh, and, and trying, and, and we closed our previous lecture with this example that after this, Krishna Das Kavira shares in Chaitanya Charitamrita the example of the Kapalika Jogi, which is a Jogi whose only concern is death, wearing ashes, eating from a skull, constantly thinking about death. And sometimes it is said that the bhajan that Mahaprabhu performs in Gigambira is a bhajan with a desire for death, in which sense he's Krishna in the mood of Radha in separation from Krishna. I'm just about to die, like now, Shirad in the Brahma Gita. She went through all these different stages of Biraha or separation. There are ten men, main of them mentioned. And the last one is Mrityu or death. That's the only one remaining. So they cannot bear being separated from their beloved. So they are about to die. So for advanced sadhakas, we may not be there, but we want to be there in our commitment of service. To serve Shirad in that moment of separation or to serve Sri Krishna for that matter. In that moment of separation, the two of them need to be saved as the other, or to save Gore in, in, in the mood of Krishna, being in the mood of Radha, in separation from Krishna, to serve them in those tastes, to keep them alive in the context of the leader, that will be our life and soul. So again, a very high ideal, but it's important to bear that in mind, and these sections are pointing in that direction. Very deep, very high content we are receiving by the grace of our Parampara. So, some not so brief recap, but we have to share that. So let's continue with today's verse. As I mentioned, verse number 5 of Brahma Gita. But before going to the verse in it itself, as we always try to do, between each verse there is some connection regarding some interpretation that Radha makes of whatever she feels the bumblebee saying to her through his uh, buzzing. 
So according to Sridhar Swami, the very ancient venerated commentator on the Bhagavad, at this point Shirata considers that the bee who was hovering around the base of Shirata's feet, uh, what is, the, the, the bee was basing there trying to ask forgiveness to Shirata for himself or in the name of Krishna. So thinking that the bumblebee wanted to beg forgiveness from her, it is that Sri Radha spoke this verse. So let's share the verse. I will share with you in the in the chat here in Zoom, in Sanskrit and in English. And please, I will ask you, some of you, to share the verse in the thread, in the Facebook, in the streaming. So there it is. So I will re recite it first in Sanskrit. Verse number 5 from Brahma Gita, which is, corresponds with verse 16. 47th chapter of 10th canto of the Bhagavad. Bisrija sirasi padam betmyaham chatukarai Anunaya bidu saste vietya dhotyar mukundat Svakrita iha bisrista patya patya nyaloka Vyasrijada krita chita kimna sandhi So the translation of this verse says, says as follows. Shirazi is speaking to the bumblebee, remember. So she says, Keep your head off my feet. I know what you are doing. You expertly learn diplomacy from Mukunda. And now you come as his messenger with flattering words. But he abandoned those who for his sake alone gave up their children, husbands, and all other relations. He is simply ungrateful. Why should I make up with him now? So this is fifth verse of Ramargit. So let's go to the word by word, trying to unpack a little bit its content that then trying to fully explore mm, the different implications of this verse. So the first, very first line says, Bisrija sirasi padam bedmiham chetukaraya. So Sirada first refers, direct speaks to the bumblebee, saying, Bisrija sirasi. Sirasi means your, on your head. Bisrija, let go of. Mm, and padam, my foot. So take your, basically keep your head off my feet. Bisrija mm, sirasi padam. So first she, yeah, she chases the bumblebee away, and then she presents the reason for that, for she telling that, Bet me aham chatukarai. So bet me means no, aham means I, so I know, chatukarai means with flattering words. With flattering words what? Of course, next line continues replying to that, Anunaya vidusa shti vietya mukundat. So Anunaya vidusa, vidusa means expert, Anunaya means uh, like refers to the art of reconciliation. And te means you. So I know you are expert in the art of conciliation or diplomacy, let's say. And abhyetya means you have learned this, having learned this, dotya mukundat. Dotya comes from dutta, being a messenger, acting as a messenger, and mukunda, who is a name for Krishna for sure. So I know you are very expert in this diplomacy and these flattering words since you have learned them very well from Mukunda. And you are coming now on his behalf, acting as his messenger. So with that, she's explaining why she's chasing away the bumblebee. But that's not enough. She will continue to explain 
why not only the bumblebee is to be chased away, but why Mukunda himself is to be chased away, if you will. Why he's a cheater. So, Swakrita iha visrishta patya patya nyaluka, third line. Shira says, Swakrita. Swa means for his own, and Krita means sake. So, for his own sake, iha visrishta, visrishta means who have abandoned, iha means in this life, apatya, children, pati, husbands, anyaluka, and everyone else. So, basically, we have abandoned for his sake, all the thing in this life and, the, and, and, and that implies as we'll see our prospect in a future life. We have abandoned children, husbands and all other relationships only for his sake alone. So how did he reply to further emphasize her point? Last line of the verse. So how he replied to us? He abandoned us. means He abandoned. Akritta Cheta journalist translated as ungrateful. So being ungrateful, he basically abandoned us. That was his reply to our abandoning everything for his sake. So therefore, the conclusion is Kimno. Kimno means why indeed Sandhya must mean. Sandhya means should we establish some reconciliation as mean with him. Why on earth we should make up with him now at this point after he acted in such a way. So that's a little bit the, the general idea of the verse in the word by word. So let's continue discussing the commentators, the commentaries of the main uh, commentators on the Bhagavad in our particular tradition, Sridhar Swami, our Goswamis, Sri Jiva, Sanatan, Vishmanachakravarti Path. So let's begin by the most ancient one, first honoring our elders, seniors, Sridhar Swami. So he will paraphrase Shirada, repeating the main idea of the book, where Shirada, the bear, sorry, where she's saying to the bumblebee, let go of my foot, which is placed on your head, another way of saying your head is on my foot. And when the bumblebee is not moving, is not leaving Shirada's hmm, lotus feet, she will speak the words, Shirada says, beginning with bet me, like explaining why I'm chasing you away. I know who you are. I know your flattering words and so on. I know all your tricks, Sridhar Swami's paraphrase Sirada. All your tricks, you are an expert in making supplications. Or in other words, the implication is just like your Gurudev, just like your flatter, Achari in flattering, if you will, <laughs> Mukunda, you are not to be trusted. And then we will explain why she's using this name Mukunda specifically here. Because every single name of Hari, of course, has different meanings. And according to who is saying that, according to the particular Rasites the devotee is in, that will have a particular meaning for them. And according to the particular circumstance, that will have on top of that further specific meaning. So every one of these names that Shirad invokes in each one of these verses to refer to Krishna has very unique connotations. So the B, according to Sirius Swami, may retort saying, but <clears throat> Why are you criticizing, keep criticizing Mukunda? What is the offense he, he, he engaged? Or what is my offense? Let's begin with that. If you are criticizing me by buzzing around your feet for forgiveness, why you are, what's my offense in doing that? I thought that in order, if you commit an offense, you have to beg forgiveness. But you are implying that my begging of forgiveness is an offense in itself. So to this, Shirada replies, 
Siddhartha Swami says with the word beginning with Swakriti. So for his own, as you know, we abandon everything. That one, he says, Akrita Cheta, although sometimes Akrita Cheta in this verse is translated as ungrateful, as Krishna is ungrateful, she says. Here's Akrita Cheta according to Siddhartha Swami means he failed to control his mind. Cheta can be connected to Chitta, to mind, and Akrita can be, can be connected to not being able to deal with properly. So he's, he, that one who was not able to control his mind because of extreme lusty desires of whatever, he abandoned us. He enjoyed us one. He took the pollen from our, from our lotus hearts and went immediately to some other flowers. And the point is, he abandoned us who for his sake have given up everything. The most difficult things that you may conceive to abandon as a woman, as a mother, to abandon your children, your husbands, your family ties, society, not only the prospects in this life, but even in future life, because if the lady is unchaste, her next birth will be ruined. Of course, we can say the gopis are need to see this, uh, and there's no next or past life, but in the context of the Nara Lila, they will consider themselves ordinary human beings and speak in these terms. Hmm? So the conclusion, of course, Siddhar Swami will mention is, should we want to make reconciliation with him? And of course, the reply is no. <laughs> no, of course, in the indirect mystery of Parakya Bhavas. We know the, 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 the thing that Shirada wants the most is to have Krishna, to, be, to embrace Krishna one more time again. But that's how love expresses itself indirectly. <clears throat> Let's continue with Srila Jiva Goswami's commentary. His Lagu Vaishnava. He presents some interesting exchange between Shrad and the bumblebee. So Sri Jiva Goswami Pad mentions that when the bee, and in this way we will continue to analyze the verse from beginning to end and as a way of remembering what's the, 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 the all, all the parts of each line. Because every single line and all these in-between dialogues kind of create the, the, the justification of, their, of the, or the explanation of one every single line say what it says in connection to possible in-between dialogues between Srirad and the bumblebee. So according to Sri Jiva, when the bee followed her feet, because of thinking they were attractive lotuses, he says, which, through which were emanating the most sublime perfume, aroma, hmm? Radha thought the bee is begging forgiveness by softly humming, thinking something else. So here Sri Jiva makes this point that I mentioned already. Actually, the bumblebee is a bumblebee who is attracted to the fragrance coming from the lotus feet of Sri Radha, which has this, this unique aroma. But Sri Radha, one thing in those terms, she will read reality in the context of his div her divian mad, her divine madness. So she will feel this messenger of Krishna is trying to beg forgiveness in the name of his master. Well, actually, there is one bumblebee trying to uh, just attract it to the sweetness, hmm? mellifluousness of her feet. So, while one may, one may present the case, no, actually the bumblebee is speaking, I, th I think it gives more rasa, it's more tasty to understand this idea. Actually the bumblebee is one, or one bumblebee just, and is buzzing like a bumblebee will buzz, but in her madness, Shirada will read reality totally, in a different, total way. So she will interpret the bumble, the humming of the bumblebee like, he, the bumblebee is saying, oh, you lady, do not be angry and be merciful. Just hear once my request. So Sri Jiva then says that Radha starts to shout to the bumblebee. 
and starts to order him while speaking this verse with sarcasm. So this particular verse is spoken shouting by Shirada and giving orders and employing sarcasm in the context. So she, according to Sri Jiva, will say, Oh, evil bee, you are an evil bee. Why are you trying to touch my feet with your head while uttering these clever words? Quickly, go away from here. Because we know the method of causing dissension that was taught by your guru, which is this method is full of skillful humility and deceit. It's like the topmost teaching in how to be, uh, how to express diplomacy and all this type of kutinati, hmm? cheating, hmm? hypocrisy. I know, I know your character, and I know your mukunda. Hmm? I know the character of the of you too. You are very similar. You are black. You are dark, cheating people. <laughs> so therefore, give up my faith, hmm? along with all your super extraordinary flattering words. Hmm? So. Give up flattering words and my feet. Not only stop speaking and remain buzzing there, get out of there. And so all those flattering words are messages that you learn from Mukunda. And all of those messages are expert in the art of conciliation. And may, some other woman, Shirada, will continue according to Sri Jiva. Some woman may know or may not know, but I'm perceptive. I know. I'm perceptive. Some may know, some may not know. Vyasu veti na veti ba. Vyasu may know, may not know. So Sri Radha employs some similar idea. Veti na veti ba. Some woman may know, may not know, but I know. Ham betni. Because I'm perceptive. So I know what's the background of all this. I know you have learned from, from, from Mukunda this art of conciliation, cheating words, diplomacy, false chattering, using clever words. There's a whole art, like a politic or something. You say something nice, people believe you, but actually you are acting as they're a criminal, their enemy. So he's Mukunda. So now Sri Jiva explains the meaning. Mukunda means, of course, the one who gives Mukti. That's the most popular idea, of course. There are some other levels of meaning. He who has his Mukha, his face is like a Kunda flower, or and so on. But here... Shirada uses this, this name in this particular context saying he's the liberator. So he freed us. He made us give up our houses, possessions and family. In that ways, he was the liberator for us. No? Like sarcastically saying he made us leave everything for him but he left us. So he's so fond of liberation. And now he's freed from us. Of course, one over and over again we have to bear in mind all this is spoken by Sri Radha in the ecstatic madness of divine romantic love in direct speech, which has to do a lot with saying something else uh, beyond what is apparent. We will speak a little bit about that in our conclusion today, Parokshavad. In the background, Krishna is totally captured by that love. He says, so many verses where he says, For those who have given for me everything, have abandoned everything, their own lives they are ready to abandon, how can I not pay back trying to this, do the same for them? Hmm? But again, in the context of Radha's Divyanmat, Sri Radha is pointing to Krishna's so-called deception and cruelty. Hmm? And then, again, she returns to the bumblebee saying, and you are a messenger of such a person. 
So you are most deceitful as well. If you accept to be a messenger of the most deceitful person, you are most deceitful. Therefore, you cannot be trusted. He cannot be trusted. You cannot be trusted either. So according to Sri Jiva, the bumblebee will reply saying, But, oh lady, why are you fighting with your lover? Why are you keep insisting on criticizing him, using harsh words? Okay, he was offensive. You call him an aparadi, you have the right to do so. As we mentioned, only Sri Radha can call Krishna an aparadi, an offender. But please forgive this one offense of his, of him. And let's create, invoke some peace by using me as an intermediate person in between the two of you, as a messenger. So, according to Sri Jiva, the bumblebee suggests this, and Sri Radha will further present her case, her case by saying, but he has rejected those who have been given up everything for him house, children, husbands, the main attachments in this world, the gopis left them in a blink of an eye without thinking about it, after chasing after the sound of the flute. And not only everything that is desirable in this lifetime, but the gopis already cancel any good prospect for future lifetimes. For his sake only, in a most uh, selfless way. And he replied by abandoning us. So he's Akrita Cheta, he's ungrateful. Or also Akrita Cheta in this context, Srila Jiva Goswami says, he has not given us his heart. Akrita Cheta, Cheta can has to do with heart, and Akrita means not having given. So he has not given us his heart. He promised he will do that, he will return and so on. But he's, he's narcissistic, he's too selfish, he's only concerned with himself. So he's moving according to whatever he likes, and taking something, abandoning something, he has, his heart has no, no kindness whatsoever. Hmm? Or Swakrita, which can refer to the gopis leaving everything for Krishna's sake, also Swakrita can mean Krishna left us for his own sake. Hmm? So that even makes the idea stronger. We, leave ev- we left everything for his sake, and he left us for his sake. <laughs> and so he's totally again self-centered. He rejects us, and 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 he attracts other people now. But he will give them give them up also. So, and, and you, Bumblebee, are trying to convince me with flattering words to reestablish some connection with such such a person. How can we reestablish a relationship with a person who accepted us, making us give up everything? Because of deception, through deception he created all this influence, hmm, charm, and then he rejected us. So that's the most cruel possible scenario, Shirad is mentioning. He first accepted us, attracted us, make us leave everything through deception, and they gave us. <laughs> so should we make peace with such a cheater? Of course we should not. No more relationship with him. That's the implication again. She's saying all this... <laughs> But in the inner, deepest core of her heart, she's hungering with the topmost thirst for Sri Hari. So these are some of the insects that Srila Jiva Goswami Pat shares with us according to his commentary in the Bhagavad Lagubhashana Tosani. I'm not sharing Sanatana Goswami's commentary because I have not found any words from him in this regard. But generally, even if there will be some, I have not met, met, find it. Sri Jiva Goswami quite, follows quite closely Sanatana Prabhu's commentary. So, for sure, he's duly re- properly represented there. 
So that said, let's continue with and close with our series of commentaries that discussing Sri Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur's famous Sarartha Darshini. Well, he will, in addition, in complement to what our his Purvacharis mentioned, he will add some interesting points here. <clears throat> So Sri Vishwanath Chakravarti Pad mentions that while the bee was flying around, <clears throat> it landed on Radha's foot, out of greed for her fragrance, as Sri Jiva also similarly says, and still buzzing it seemed to say to Sri Radha, according to Vishwanath, Oh, you lady, worshipable, you are worshipable for, by millions of Lakshmis. So truly Krishna has offended you, I accept that. My master had made a gross mistake, but... I, I suggest that you should forgive him. So this is, again, what Sri Radha heard, read. So Sri Vishwanath will say, thinking that the bee was saying this, and the bee was trying to offer respects to her, or beg forgiveness in the name, on behalf of his master, Sri Radha speaks this verse, beginning with, why you are touching, putting your head on my feet, please go away, let go of my feet, which you are holding on your head. In other words, Get out of here, Vishwanath will say. And again, she continues explaining the reason for her harsh words, explaining by referring to Krishna's harshness. <laughs> harshness. I know you, again, Sri says, according to Vishwanath, so you cannot cheat me like you cheat some other ladies, or like your master cheats some other ladies. For example, Lakshmi and others who still keep hankering for Krishna's association. And you have learned from this Mukunda game. Mukunda is your Gurudev, and you are his sisya, his student. So, Sri starts to sarcastically glorify the bumblebee, saying, okay, you have followed all the procedure, the whole procedure you have followed very nicely. You are such a great sisya, you are such a great disciple of your Gurudev. Your Gurudev is the top most acharya of cheat, cheating, and you are almost like his successor acharya. You are following so nicely in the same mood of flattering words and clever expressions. So you are very skillful in all these humble entreaties and sending messages with sweet, charming words, flowery stuff. But you learn all that from him. So I know your character because I know his character. <laughs> I know him so much that I know you so much. I know you. So please do not come here making a show. So Vishwanath continues paraphrasing the bumblebee, who, who will reply at this point according to Shirada's eye, ear, and madness. But you, mistress, what is the use of quarreling with Krishna? Krishna is dearer to you than millions of your own lives. Rather, you should make peace with him through me. So interestingly, again, all the things that the bumblebee is saying according to Shirada's heart are, is true. I mean, Krishna is dearer to her than millions of her own lives, and of course, vice versa as well. So, and, and, but again, the bumblebee is actually not saying that. This is sounding in, in Shirada's and modern mind. So there is one part of Shirada who, of course, uh, is there with that reality, you know, agrees with this reality for sure. Krishna is dearer for me, to me, than millions of my own lives. But how love moves is crooked, as we know. Love moves in a crooked way, so it may seem... It means something else while actually saying something else, something beyond it. 
So Shirada will reply to this idea, please make peace with Krishna through me. Shirada replies in the words of Vishwanath, again, for Krishna's sake, what we have not abandoned, we have abandoned everything, we have, and not only gave up housework, children, husband, mother, father, for his sake, we have entered into full self-forgetfulness, we have forgotten about our own lives. For his sake, we did that. Try, try to think about that. Try, try to put yourself in that situation. How much willing you will be to abandon all the things that are dear to most of the people that constitute the main attachments of people, the main uh, constituents that make for our sense of identity at the present moment. Our false ego, basically. Our upadis. Mm-hmm. Projected in particular situations and relationships. So the gopis in one second abandon them. Of course, again, there need to see this. As sadhakas, we are gradually trying to to abandon them. Abandon them in the sense abandoning our attachment from them separate from Sri Hari. So Sri Radha is saying, we did that, and he replied by giving, giving us up and leaving Braj. Of course, here it says, we gave up children. Sri Radha doesn't have children, but some gopis did. So those, for example, Bishwanath will say, those gopis who were prevented from going to the Rasa Lila when Krishna played the flute, those are the ones connected having children who gave eventually gave up their children and went to meet him. Mm-hmm. Gopis like Srirada are the ones who gave up their husbands. And some gopis who were unmarried, who didn't have no children nor, nor husbands, are the ones who gave their fathers and other relatives. This verse speaks about these three, if you will, levels of gopis. Those who have children and therefore husband and relatives, those who have husband and relatives, and those who have relatives. Whatever constituted their main obstacle and attachment, they left. But, again, Sri Radha implies, despite all this, which was Krishna's response to that, being a Krita Cheta, being ungrateful, being of uncontrolled mind, not giving his heart to us, he just abandoned all this woman. So, should the implication is, should we make peace with such a cruel-hearted person? Never. <laughs> so this is an important point that again we need to uh, to establish over and over again. When here Shri Radha is saying the gopis have left everything for Krishna's sake, it's interesting, a very characteristic element of Parakiyabhav, leaving everything as no other rasa requires that apart from Parakiyabhav. You follow? The gopis have to abandon their family, friends, society, husband, sons, to love Krishna, as, as they desire, and as Krishna, of course, desires as well. While in other rasas, they do not have to do that. For example, Yashoda doesn't have to leave Nanda Maharaj to love Krishna. Nanda Maharaj doesn't have to leave Yashoda in order to love Krishna. Subal doesn't need to leave Madhumangal in order to love Krishna or his parents. You follow. They do not. I, I, with this, I'm not downplaying, of course, their love for Krishna. But I'm just indicating that, objectively speaking, their particular relationship with Krishna is legal, basically, in the social dynamics of the lila. Sambanda rupa bhakti means it's a type of bhakti where there is an established relationship. Mm-hmm. A mother loves his son, just so the loves Krishna, and she should, and that's correct. Mm-hmm. A friend, Subal, loves his friend Krishna, and he should. They are friends. But the gopis, 
that's not Sambandha Rupa Bhakti, it's a whole different category according to Sarupa called Kama Rupa Bhakti, which means they love Krishna out of desire. Well, they love Krishna while being married, but they should not. Again, according to their legal dynamics of the Barna Ashram in Vrindavan. So this is a very special poem that shows the level of the gopis, the intensity and renunciation for that matter, and of course attachment for Krishna. Other devotees do not have to leave everything for loving Krishna. The gopis da have to, and they do. So Sri makes this point here, and saying how Krishna reciprocated with that, that's clear, she says, by the facts. <laughs> Let's go to the facts. So this is basically the, the, the notions that Sri Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur is sharing with us. And he concludes his purport by explaining, of course, which is the type of Chitra Jalpa that is exemplified in this particular shloka. Remember, in all these ten verses, there are ten types of Chitra Jalpa. Chitra Jalpa is one of the symptoms of Divyon Mad, of Divine Madness, the topmost reach of Mahabhav, expressed by Sri Radha. So one of the symptoms is Chitrajalpa, which means crazy talks, which is divided in ten types of crazy talks. So these ten types of Chitrajalpa are mentioned in these ten verses of Ramar Gita. So we already have seen some of them, Parijalpa, Prajalpa, uh, Ujalpa, and today we'll see another one. But before seeing the, the very the example of Chitrajalpa in this verse, Vishwanath says that the first half of this verse shows sarcastic criticism, first half. And the second half shows Krishna's ungratefulness and other qualities like mercilessness, violence to others and lack of love. <laughs> so therefore, our Acharyas have concluded, if these qualities appear in this verse combined in this particular way, this verse therefore is illustrating the qualities of Sanjalpa, one type of Chitrajalpa, Sanjalpa. Srila Rupa Goswami describes Sanjalpa in his Ujjval Nilamani Das. He says, The learned describes Sanjalpa <clears throat> as that speech which decries develops ungratefulness and other bad qualities with deeply sarcastic words and insulting gestures uh, in connection to develops ungratefulness. So, this is the type of mood in which Sri Radha is in this particular verse. Again, all this is in the context of Rasa, Dibyon Mat, not in the context of Maya Shakti, and because we can easily can establish a parallel with what happens in this world. And you can create, the lover can be actually cruel, actually violent, actually lacking of love, actually ungrateful, and we may express. And, and all that will be totally unbecoming and we may be sarcastic and violent in criticizing him or her and all that will be in the realm of Maya Shakti but here is another realm altogether all as we are, have been doing these last lectures let me share with you the, the version of Sri Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur to this verse trying to make some full circle and one more time reading the whole verse he poeticized this in Bengali, but of course, here I will share the English translation of it. So Sri Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta says, The Gopi, when he says the Gopi, of course, he refers to Sri Radha. The Gopi looked at the bumblebee by her feet, 
as he was trying to enter between her toes to get to beg forgiveness for his offenses. So she said, Go away with your head from my feet, you clever bumblebee. You are telling me what Mukunda's message is. I have understood that it is just trickiness in essence, dear bumblebee, that it is your duty as a messenger to flatter me with sweet words. What Mukunda is doing is wrong. Tell me. Sorry, what is Mukunda doing wrong? Tell me. So again, sarcastically, she's expressing herself. But do not tell what I am speaking, you wicked bumblebee. I have given up my husband, sons and religious duties for the next life. And now I have no other business than service to Krishna. But he, with his licentious mind, easily forgot everything. So, do not say what he has to say. Do not try to fix this. This is a broken, unrepairable issue. <laughs> so, you can imagine at this point how Uddhava feels. Remember, he had a glimpse in Mathura of what Vrindavan is, of who Krishna is by that matter. By hearing how Krishna felt when speaking to him about the Brajavasis, by having glimpses of Krishna in Mathura in some emotional moments, but that was only a glimpse. Now he's in the Braj and he's having full darshan of all implications of the Brajavasis. So he's totally fiberglassed, speechless, more and more, as Surada's speech reaches newer and newer heights, especially as, you may, as we see, abusing Krishna in the context of loving him, criticizing Krishna in the context of increasing her attachment to him. So many apparently contradictory situations, but that perfectly fit and become harmonized in the figure of Surada, who is Mahabhav Surapini the ultimate embodiment of love, where all contradictions get harmonized in the land of Raj, where all be everything becomes possible. And that's the meaning of Jiva Goswami to the very word Raj. That land where everything is possible. That all the things that are contradictory somewhere else attain their perfect synthesis there. So here we see Sri for example, calling Krishna a cheater. And again, who we are, where we are in comparison to Shirada, to her servants and so on, of course, it's not, it wouldn't be becoming for us to imitate, for example, Shirada's speech. It's not that, okay, I've, I've learned today from Maharaj this Brahma Gita verse, and so I will, in my next prayer, when I chant Japa, I will insult Krishna like she's doing. Probably there will be some hellish planets waiting for us if that happens. <laughs> So we are not to imitate Anukar, but we are to follow the spirit of that, of that, Anusar, which begins by understanding the context in which that is first uh, expressed. So before trying to call Krishna a cheater, as Sri Dada is doing there, here, <clears throat> first I will say we have to call ourselves cheaters. We have to learn how to detect the cheating propensity in ourselves, to acknowledge all the possible layers of kutinati or hypocrisy, all the different expressions of the age of Kali Yuga, which is characterized by cheating, all the things that still are in us and deal with that with integrity, comprehensively. So as much as we are doing that, as much as we get free from that cheating in ourselves, eventually in our future prospect in the land of Lila, we may be able to also call Krishna 
Chitter in the context of Seva, Lila Seva, in the context of increasing the experience of Rasa both for Radha and Krishna. Nothing untasty, unbecoming ways. So that's an important point to understand. All the things that the Radha is calling Krishna, we should call ourselves such. He's a liar, he's a cheater, he's a that, he's a that is. First, we should examine deeply, introspectively, our hearts. How much of all those things are in my heart? Sri Radha is totally free from that. So her calling Krishna in that way has a totally different meaning of what we can understand now if we still are full of those stuff. Or not full, maybe, but some of that is there. So let's keep engaging in <clears throat> in Gundicha Marjanam, in cleaning our heart so it becomes brach at some point. So as much as we do that, we will be understand, able to understand what's the real meaning of Sri Radha's bullying insults to Krishna, how all this expresses itself in the context of what we call Parokshabhat. So I would like to share some brief words on Parokshabhat before turning to almost our conclusion today. So Parokshabhat is a very important word and term which comes in the Bhagavad, and not only there of course, translated generally as indirect speech. Paroksha, para-iksha, that's the etymology of Paroksha. Iksha means Eyes, and by saying eyes represents all the conglomerate of senses. So para iksha, para means beyond. So para iksha means that which is beyond the eyes, beyond the senses, that which is not explicit, but is implicit, is indirect. Paroksha is the opposite of pratyaksha. Pratyaksha means direct sensory experience, that which is explicit to your direct perception. Paroksha means beyond what is apparent. So in the Bhagavad, for example, there is one verse in the 11th Canto which speaks about how the Veda is using Parokshabad. Well, it seems it's promoting karma, kand, and all these type of things. Actually, it's trying to, through, that, through those systems, trying to get people gradually aligned with the Vedic ultimate conclusion, which is Bhakti. And the Vedas, and the Bhagavatam gives the example... Just as a father gives medicine to the child by giving him some sweet, and the medicine is inserted inside the sweet. So the child is not aware, he's purifying himself, he thinks, I'm eating sweet. So similarly, the Veda will promise with flowery words this reward here and there, but actually they are given the medicine there. Mm-hmm. And a very important verse from the Bhagavatam, which also not only speaks how, not only speaks how the Veda uses Parokshabad. There's another verse which, when Krishna himself, also in the 11th canto, speaking to Uddhav, interestingly, the Uddhav Gita. In this verse, Krishna himself expresses how dear Parokshabad is to him. Mm-hmm. Again, in line with the previous verse, Trikanda mm-hmm. So the first two lines speak about this same idea I've just shirt about how the Vedas deal with Parukshabad. Hmm? But the last part of the verse we are interested in here, Parukshabad Arisaya, Paroksham Mamachapriya. So the rishis, the wise, the sages, take shelter in Parukshabad. Hmm? They, they use indirect speech. They are mystics. They are esoteric people. They won't say things explicitly always. Hmm? There will be the language of lovers, if you will. And Krishna will say, Paroksham Mama Chapriyam. That Parokshabad, Mama, for me, Priyam, is dear, is very dear. Mm-hmm. So those enigmatic words 
of the saddles are very dear to me. I, I like them so much. When, when, like when two lovers, the classic example is speak among themselves in front of other people and everyone else thinks they are speaking about something but they have some secret codes about themselves among themselves so they only then to understand what we are really saying so you need to go crazy to understand a crazy person you need to love to understand lovers and so Parokshabad has a lot with that famous example is Mahaprabhu in Ratha Yatra hmm? invoking a song of Kabya Prakash of secular mundane poetry where it seemed that he was just speaking about the love between a girl and a boy in the midst of being himself a sannyasi, a celibate monk, in the midst of a religious celebration and invoking like what may be a pop love song nowadays. Imagine you are in rap theater and one starts to sing whoever's songs in that connection. You will say, what's going on? <laughs> but Rupa Goswami understood. He knew which words in the mind of Mahaprabhu. So he composed a verse of his own, like actually translating the intention, the mood of war behind. He was in the mood of wrath and separation of Krishna, telling to Krishna, in Kurukshetra, Brash is not here, we cannot meet each other. We are in front of each other, but we cannot fully meet. We need the proper playground for that. So that's a famous example of Parokshabad. When Mahaprabhu read Rupa Goswami's verse, he slapped him and said, how can you know my heart that much? I, I took shelter in Parok Shabbat, but you, you are showing my real intention. Or famous poetry, mystic poetry that Advaita Acharya sent to Mahaprabhu. Like the rice in the market has, is no longer being taken by people. Everyone went mad. And one madman is the one writing all this to you. And you are a madman as well. <laughs> Everyone went mad. Like implying... The Yuga avatar function of yours already was successful. Now you can fully systematically absorb yourself in the main uh, reason for your descent. And that's when Mahaprabhu stops being a public figure and enters into the Gambira for his last 12 years. But again, Advaita express all this through indirect speech. Hari Suri is a famous also Bhagavad commentator who expressed so many layers of this indirect speech. So... The point here is that this Parok Shabbat, <clears throat> Mama Chapriyam, Krishna says, I love that language. That's the, my, the, my favorite way of expressing things. Especially in the context of Madhurya Bhav, of romantic love. That has a lot, everything to do with that. So the point is, if Krishna loves Parok Shabbat a lot, therefore Sri Radha, who only lives for pleasing Krishna, will continually, continuously speak Parok Shabbat for Krishna's pleasure, because she knows he loves that so much, I will almost only speak Parakshavad, because that will give him higher pleasure. Of course, she now is in Divyan Mad, she's thrown into a pool of divine madness in ecstasy, so she's not like consciously deciding, I will speak Parakshavad for Krishna's pleasure. <clears throat> but also a point is that she never decides, I will please Krishna by doing this. I will do this for pleasing Krishna because there is no second option apart from that for her. She's the very personification of pleasing Krishna. Of all that pleasing Krishna implies, she's the very embodiment. Again, Mahabhapsvarupini, she's composed of emotions, loving emotions, all of them directed to Krishna in the topmost way. So she's not thinking, I will love Krishna, I will do this for pleasing Krishna. Whatever comes out of her, and of course, out of every associate of Krishna in Vrindavan, 
has that style and what to speak of herself with the very source of Prem. That's an important point. Krishna loves Parokshabad, therefore Radha in her constitution, in her ontology, intuitively will express Parokshabad constantly for Krishna's pleasure. And of course, Brahma Gita is a very good example of that. When Sri Radha seems to condemn Krishna, insult Krishna, criticize Krishna, call him names, the worst possible names you could ever think. But on the background of that, there is so much of something else. <laughs> so much love, attraction, attachment, and so on. <clears throat> so to further il illustrate this point, if you allow me some extra minutes, I would like to share some sections from Srila Rupa Goswami's <clears throat> Hamsaduta. Remember, Hamsaduta is one poetic poetry, Hamsa it's like a Dutta Kavya, a type of poetry composed by Rupa Goswami along with Uddhav Sandesh. In Uddhav Sandesh, the message and the journey from Uddhav from Mathura to Brash is illustrated. And in Hamsaduta, in the other way around, we have an idea where Sri Lalita sends a message to Krishna in Mathura in, on behalf of Radha through a swan. She's going to the Jamuna to pick some lotus petals and water to calm Sri Radha's fever of separation in Vrindavan from Krishna. So she finds a swan swimming in the Jamuna and she sends a message to Krishna. We know Lalita Saki can be quite harsh, kind of quite intense, protecting her Swamini, Sri Radha. Of course, all this in the context of increasing the love of both. So this particular Hamsaduta is expressed by Sri Lalita as a messenger given to a swan in order to be delivered to Krishna. So let me today and maybe next class as well at the end of both discussions present some of the verses. Of course, I won't read the whole thing, but I will select some special sections of this Hamsaduta to further illustrate this Parokshabad, to further illustrate also the condition of separation of Sri Radha and Vrindavan while Krishna is in Mathura to further give us a proper panorama of the whole situation so we can really enter, hopefully, ideally, eventually, <laughs> into the proper experience and mood of all this Shravan, Kirtan, Bhagavad Kata. So it says like this. Remember, Sri Lalita is speaking to Krishna through the swan on behalf of Radha, who has passed away, who, who, who is unconscious, who has, yeah, entered into whatever state of divine madness and ecstasy somewhere in Vrindavan. So Lalita says to Krishna through the swan, O Murari, the demons you killed seem to have returned one by one to Raj. Aristasur seems to have shaken the beautiful-eyed gopi girls and thrown them to the brink of calamity. Trinavarta has returned as the grasses covering the unused playgrounds of the Lord. And Vyomasur has returned by making the whole area of Braj seem as empty as outer space. And so she's connected the different attributes of these Asuras to the present condition of Braj in itself. She starts by describing Braj in it as a whole, overall description of the separation of all the Brajavasas and gradually Shilalita will converge into the situation of Sri Radha in particular, who is Vrindavaneshwari. The whole brush is depending on her. O Hari, under no, under no circumstance should you come to Vrindavan nowadays. Its creepers have become so dreadfully poisonous 
that the whole land is a danger zone. Were it not so, O destroyer of the demon Madhu, why will the brown-eyed Gopis fall unconscious just by breathing the perfume of their flowers? So again, lots of indirect speech here. Actually, they are not falling unconscious because the, the binds are po poisoned, but they are dying out of separation from Krishna. But Lalita ascribes the reason to something else, like indirectly implying they are dying because of you. Oh, undisputed Lord of Vrindavan, I have finished my prologue, which is anyway well known to you. Now, prepare to listen to the drama in the mood of separation which is being enacted here. But first, I must ask you one question. Do you ever remember those two unfortunate syllables? Ra, dha? So we see how very expertly Lalita Devi introduces Shirada's plight here. Now comes a very famous verse that we quoted before, but we will share it again. Jamarash, the Lord of Death, will not favor Radha, Umurari, since her tears have formed a river whose waves are even more forceful than those of the Jamuna, which looks one in comparison, the Lord of Death, Jamuna's older brother, has become envious and does not oblige Radha, even when she cries out for his mercy. So do you remember the implication here? It's very poetic and very beautiful and tragic at the same time situation, description. On one side, Shurad is crying so much that her tears resemble the Jamuna and even are bigger than the Jamuna. Hmm? So, the point is, because Radha's tears defeated the Jamuna, Jamarash, who is the Jamuna's older brother, is now angry with Radha and is not willing to please her. And what does he mean Jam Jamarash is not willing to please Radha? Radha is praying to Jamarash, kill me, I want to die in separation. But Jamarash is not mm, agreeing. The point is, Radha still remains alive. Of course, it's not about Jamarash, it's about Krishna's promise, I will return, I will return. That's what keeps Radha alive, even though she's dying in separation of Krishna. So, again, you can see how indirectly, by invoking so many elements like Jamarash and the Jamuna, <laughs> she Radha is showing... Uh, Shilalit is showing Radha's plight in separation. Now she will continue describing Sri Radha's situation. Sometimes she offers her respects to those sages of unfailing words, seeking advice on how she can get you back. Sometimes she tries to please the mystics who know various spells, thinking that surely there must be some mantra that she can chant which will force you to return. Sometimes she humbly renders service to those who know the art of using potions, and sometimes she prays devotedly to Parvati Devi for the benediction of seeing you again. O oh Krishna, upset by your absence, that poor girl sees nothing of merit anywhere in this world. In her suffering, she draws with the sap of a freshly broken Tamil twig a captivating image of you on the ground, the eyebrows in the shape of Cupid's destructive bow. Then, wishing to wrap her vine-like arms around your neck, she throws herself to the ground where she lies, unconscious and motionless. 
So again, indirect speech to describe Radha's plight. Sri Radha takes a twig from the Tamil tree. Of course, Tamil tree are resembling Sri Radha's Krishna constantly because of the color of the tree, which is similar to Krishna's. And she draws an image of Krishna on the ground. And she wants to embrace that image. And she just falls to the ground trying to embrace that image and lying unconscious and motionless there. Lalita continues. Although you have so cruelly thrown Radha onto a mass of sufferings, she still, she still constantly thinks of you and your activities even now. That most perfect of chaste woman thinks that due to separation from her, your heart must be broken. Though we know that, is as hard, that it is as hard as a thunderbolt. And thus, her own heart breaks day by day. So here Lalita is showing the real condition of Shurada. She's suffering so much, poor Krishna. Her heart is broken. She thinks, Lalita says, your heart is broken, Krishna, but we know your heart is as hard as a thunderbolt. But our poor lady, Shirada, our Swamini, Thakurani, by thinking that your heart is breaking in your separation from her, her own heart is breaking more and more by thinking of your heart breaking. My friend has now surrendered herself fully to Shiva, whose body is the white color of the foam of the, on the ocean of milk, and who is crowned by the moon. Since he is the subduer of Cupid, it is beyond the power of Eros to do her any harm. Only you, Hari, for some reason continue to torment her. Is it for your own amusement that you do this? So again, Sri Lalita speaks sarcastically and indirectly, saying Sri Radha is worshipping Mahadev, Shiva, and Shiva is the one who killed Cupid, as we know, not kill him, but reduce him to ashes. So the point is, if Cupid cannot harm Shiva, he who takes shelter in Shiva cannot be affected by Cupid. So Radha is protected from Cupid by taking shelter in Shiva, but somehow or other, you still torment her. You are another type of Cupid. So Lalita will ask him, are you doing this for your own fun? Tormenting her in such a way, such a noble lady? Oh, jewel of the Jadu dynasty. Again, sarcastic address to Krishna being immature. I understand the feelings of the cowherd maidens, but I don't know what magic causes us to go on loving you despite your cruelty. The madman Uddhava has tried to mitigate our sufferings with many metaphysical instructions, but frankly, such utterances only double her anguish. anguish. So again, of course, this narration, as you can imagine, is after the Brahma Gita. So here we are going a little bit after the present narration, <clears throat> but still applies. And, and we see how, how the gopis, we have a trailer here, how the gopis have processed Udab's words, Udab's philosophical instructions. They did anything to them. Some more verses before finishing. Radhika's end is near. Her friends have long given up efforts to save her, for they can see that Cupid has costlessly chosen to make her his enemy and torment her. It is impossible to do anything at all to help her. Only one companion still refuses to abandon the lotus-eyed Radha and continues to try to keep her alive. Which is that companion? The hope of your return. So Shilalita depicts the stage in this way. All of us 
have do not know what else to do. Cupid seems so much focused in tor torturing her. But there is one very fixed companion in her that is not leaving her at any moment. And it's the hope that you will return. That's the only thing that is keeping her alive. So Shirada says here, Lalita is paraphrasing Radha in the message. If he has really become the foremost of the hard-hearted and left me, let it be so. He is free. As for me, my only hope is to await my inevitable end. But who could endure his coming here to Braj in the deception of my dreams and forcefully ravishing me against my will? This improper behavior of his is giving great distress to my mind. You should go immediately to Mathura and tell that cheeky and irresponsible Hari to stop acting in this way. Oh friend, do it quickly before he comes again and your frenzy of passion at the beginning of my dreams tears off my waist belts. Oh friend, don't be shy. Get up quickly and tie that, that miscreant up with your thick necklace of pearls before he runs off to Mathura again. So speaking in this way, Lalita says, Radha suddenly falls senselessless, senseless sorry, to the ground, overcome by all these hallucinations born of her ever-expanded love for you. You see how, in this way, she's making all her friends cry ceaselessly. So, as you can see, very intense emotions, very intense realities. We have to prepare ourselves to render some useful service in that realm eventually, so that may take some lifetimes <laughs> of preparation. There is no rush. We want to really uh, be able to honor this reality in the best possible way, and we feel so fortunate to having the chance by the uh, training that we receive from the sadhus, from parampara, from the chance of hearing hmm, all this type of kata hmm, and revelation. So, Thank you so much to all of you for your time and patience and hearing and attention and sincerity in your sadhana and bhajan. So we have some few minutes. If anyone has any question or comment you may like to share, you can. I, I have now given the option for you to, to make. I, I would like to. You hear me? Yes, Arjuna City. Yeah. Um, I have a comment and a question. Yeah. Um, the comment is that I just found this little book by Vishnu Chakravarti um, that I read, and it's Sri Prem Samputa. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have you read that book? It's. I just think it would be a nice um, companion for devotees yeah. at this time because there yeah. Shirada is actually, you know, showing. Krishna's presenting all the things that yeah. Shirada is saying in her I was, indirect speech. I was actually planning. I was actually planning to share a section of that at the end of some of my lectures, in, of my next lecture. Okay, great. So we can. Yeah, you, you, yeah, can just, you can. You can share. I just discovered. Yeah, yeah. Yes, actually, I don't know if Sumati told you about that, but yesterday we were speaking with her about that, and she was telling mm -hmm. me the the main story of Premasam Putin this connection, and I thought, yeah, that will be ideal to to show the other side as we are trying to balance the whole discussion and how she actually feels for Krishna, although it seems something else. So you can leave it at that with some mystery included. You shared the reference for whoever wants to read, but if not, we will share some further explanation of yeah, that yeah. In, the, in the future lectures. Thank you. And then the question... Yes. 
when you were saying that there was a, a group on this sorry what can you repeat i didn't hear properly um you were saying how there was a group of gopis who actually had children yes and they were the ones that prevented from going um yeah. to the rasa dance yeah vishwanath so, chakravarti um, thakur say that yeah now because that's something that um you know, Gurmaraj just said that there aren't, they didn't have children because I guess his position on it was that if they had children, that meant that they would have had to have some intimate contact with their husbands, which they didn't. Now, I know you were just saying in Raj, everything can be harmonized and everything mm-hmm. can, you know, so anyway, if you could comment on that. Yeah, well... There may be some different opinions amongst the Acharyas, as you have just mentioned. <laughs> of course, again, what I've mentioned is not my own thought, but what Vishwanath Chakrabarti Thakur mentions there in connection to this particular verse we are studying today. Some gopis <clears throat> were not even married. Some were single, some were married, like Shirada. Uh, some were married with children. So mm, a different situation. And of course, <clears throat> in connection to to those gopis that are were prevented of joining Krishna the Rasa Lila, we already explained that, I think, in our Gopi Gita series, if I'm not mistaken, <clears throat> or maybe in some other series that we have not given in, in, in English but in Spanish. But the point is that it is generally thought that those gopis were not Nitya Siddhas, but they were Sadhana Siddhas, and generally they are connected with the sages of Dandakaranya who wanted to join Krishna, as you know, uh, in Madhurya Bhav in the Ram Lila and Ram say, I cannot do that with you now. I'm ideal king. I, I have taken Ekapatni Brat, the vow of only having one wife. But in Dwapra Yuga will come in my original form and you will be born there as gopis. So these sages are born as gopis and it say that amongst the group of those sages, some of them obtain a certain level of association with the Nitya Siddha Gopis that were born in the Lila, of course, and those who obtain that level of deep samskars and Sadhu Sangha, if you will, with the Nitya Siddha Gopis were able to join Krishna in the Rasa Lila, but those, for whoever reason, were not able <clears throat> to obtain that level of association from the Nitya Siddha Parikars yet, were prevented from doing so. And of course, it doesn't mean that they were not eventually able to join Krishna. It seems to say that they they're died in separation because they were not able to join, but nobody dies there in the Lila. That will be traumatic. So whatever died, there was some form of subtle remaining that need to be overcome, if you want to put it like that. And in their inner, more core of their heart, they joined him. So regarding... They were not married because of this idea of well, they were they wouldn't have a child with the, they wouldn't have union with another man. Yeah, I get. The, of course, I will say that's a point that also our Guru Maharaj wants to make regarding everyone is all and all for Krishna there, basically. No? Even even in other rasas, because they are in the of course in the Aprakat Lila, nobody is born ever in the Prakat Lila. The, every per, every member of the whole drama is born eventually, and we have some other people being born in Braj. I don't know. Let's say, uh, I don't know, a friend of Krishna, <laughs> Sri Dam, Su, Sudam, whoever, Kinkini, they are born at one point. So it means that their parents. Of course, it's another Rasa speaking here, 
but their parents got together but it doesn't mean that they were attracted to themselves in a selfish, lusty way and therefore got Krishna and they had their child or something. All that is done in the context of their love for Krishna. So we could say that even <clears throat> some of the married gopis had some children and in that context, even that happened in the context of increasing the lila as what Sukadev Goswami and Pariksit Maharaj Sukadev at the end of the Rasa Lila. Now, how could the the, top, the prince of Dharma and Krishna were dancing with a wife on other people. Hmm. And he said, actually, the implication of, of, of Sukadev's reply is actually the husbands of the gopis are also married with Krishna. Everything, everyone is married with Krishna. Everything is for his pleasure. Because on another level, you can say the same idea, of course. I mean, if the, the fact that the gopi may have intercourse, if you will, <laughs> with a husband and have a child, that implies something apart from love of Krishna. But you could say, on some other level, the same idea, they are married with someone else. That implies that there, there's some diversion from their love of Krishna. But we know that, no, that increases their attraction to Krishna. So in that sense, the idea of the possibility of some gopis having children, because we are not just to dismiss what Vishwana Chakravarti Thakur said, and with this I'm not also dismissing what our Guru Maharaj said, but I think he wanted to make that point, that, that we can speak in those terms hmm, uh, to make emphasis on the fact that everyone there is for Krishna's pleasure, but also we can be open to statements like this and, and say, okay, if they had a child, it doesn't mean that the gopis were not so chaste and so attracted to Krishna for a moment, they were attracted to their husband, that intercourse was done in the, co in the context of mundane love and not Swarup Shakti, nothing like that. Again, these gopis were the sages of Dandakaranya in the previous life, who were top most celibate monks living in the forest. So <laughs> they were not attracted to, to mundane sexuality whatsoever. So Yoga Maya made that particular arrangement for, in the context of the Lila with some specific purpose, and we should like be able to be satisfied with that type of, of conclusion as well. But, yeah, thank you for your, your question. <clears throat> I don't know if there, are, is, there is any other comments or questions you may like to share today. Okay, so it seems we have no, no more questions, no more comments. So thank you very much again to all of you for your time and presence. We close our session by offering pranam to the gopis and Srirad in particular and their unique kirtan as Udab say when leaving Braj, uh, offering whose kirtan is so powerful that it has the power, hmm, the influence of purifying all the planetary systems. So therefore we prostrate our heads perpetually into the dust of their lotus feet with the hope of being sprinkled with at least one drop, hmm, uh, one speck of that potent substance so we may make our life successful. Bande Nanda Brajasrinam Padari Nuna Bikshnasa Yusam Harikata Gitam Punati Bhavanatriam. Srila Gurudev Ki Jai, Sriman Mahaprabhu Ki Jai, Sri Harinam Sankirtan Ki Jai, Brantara Srimad Bhagavatan Ki Jai, Sri Brahmara Gita Ki Jai, Gorbhakta Brindaki Jai, Gurpraman Haribu. <coughs>